The Start On Demand. On demand. In the wake of what's been a few difficult weeks, we checked in with local Indigenous author David A. Robertson and got his thoughts on a number of things, including the fallen statues at the legislature. COVID numbers are down, but experts continue to say we can't let our guard down yet. We'll find out why. It was a scorchy weekend, and thousands of Manitobans hit up a patio. We visited with one of the biggest patios out there, the Beer Can. And what song do you hate with all your heart? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who is off this week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Monday, July 5th podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off this week and indeed some reprieve from the heat. The heat warning in southern Manitoba has come to an end and uh, looks like it's even going to be a little breezy out of the north today starting a bit later this morning. And while I don't like to complain about the heat, I try to enjoy it, but the, <laughs> the heat was oppressive at times, Greg. It was sloth-like activity inducing heat over the weekend <laughs> i normally like to get lots done on the weekend and i did a few things but certainly not at my usual pace and certainly not with the same vigor that i attack my chores with it was way too hot at different times over the weekend so this break i think is going to be very welcome for a lot of people my flowers could use the break my poor flowers even though i water them every day and oh, deadheading till you know i could probably be out uh, manicuring the flowers all day long because i'm losing so many beautiful blooms but uh hey we uh we soldier on there are much uh, more important things to to worry about but i think for a lot of folks if you don't have air conditioning in particular uh, these next few days will be a little bit more palatable. But as a look at the long-term forecast, it looks like the 30s aren't too far away. Uh, coming back uh, 29, Saturday 30, uh, next Sunday. So enjoy this week while you can. Yeah, the uh, air conditioning situation in my apartment, I mentioned the other day that they were turning off the water and the chilling towers for repairs. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if the repairs are complete because... My air conditioning just could not handle the heat. It was still around 24, 25 degrees in my suite, sort of at the, the peak times of the day when uh, when it was hottest outside. And so it was super uncomfortable in my suite. I mean, it was tolerable at least, but it wasn't, uh, you know, when you, you, you grab a place because it has central air, you expect mm-hmm. <laughs> proper central air. So that kind of stu- sucked, but at least I had some relief. If I was in that suite and there was no air conditioning, that would have not only been uncomfortable, but a potential safety hazard uh, for a lot of people having to endure that kind of heat. So, indeed, some reprieve. And uh, looks like a low of, uh, for, I'm just looking at the low for tomorrow night, like ten, or even tonight, low of, uh, what did Kayla say, 12 degrees tonight, 11 tomorrow. So you can even crack open the window at night and get some fresh air. I'd say open them wide, wide open and uh, get uh, some cross breezes going and, 
Uh, Brett, I don't know if you remember what your bedroom smelled like when you were a teenager. I think we were immune to smelling it. Uh, but uh, let me tell you, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the south wing of uh, Casa de Mackling, ooh, it's a little pungent. <laughs> so trying to get some windows open in our house, let me tell you. The south wing, is that the <laughs> Twin Towers? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's their domain. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to open some windows, take advantage of this much cooler weather over the next uh, couple of days. But, you know, I finally got out to a patio Oh yeah, for a meal on Saturday night. Wouldn't you know, it rained. Did, what, really? That's what yes. it rained? <laughs> of course it did. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, but it was fantastic. We went to Taverna Rotos out in Charleswood to meet a few friends. And uh, there was, so there were six of us at the table. And uh, Monica accommodated us very nicely, moved us uh, to the overhang and a couple of umbrellas. It was actually quite refreshing to get a tiny little bit of rain. But of course, the one time, finally get out to a patio and uh, Mother Nature says, uh, yeah, think twice about this. Did it rain hard? Yeah, it did a little bit. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that was out in the west. I don't know if you got anything in your neck of the woods. Didn't last very long, though. And I think yesterday, we were outside for, for, for a good chunk of the day yesterday. It rained about six drops. We oh. had these dark clouds come over the uh, over the neighborhood, and I thought, oh, boy, we're going to get a little bit of that rain. That, that was uh, There was a chance of rain yesterday, and quite literally six great big drops, and that was the end of that. Okay, well, uh, yeah, I noticed that it had rained. I just I didn't hear it. I didn't see it. So, uh, sorry, you got caught in the rain. I, I went to the beer can on Friday. That's that big, massive uh, patio right beside the Granite Curling Club. Uh, we're actually going to check in with them just after 8 o'clock to see how it's been going. I was surprised because I went Friday afternoon at 5 o'clock when it was still right in the thick of the heat, and it was at capacity the whole time. And uh, I thought, oh, these people, I mean, I thought I was just being dumb, but everybody else there was clearly brave to to brave that heat. So that was fun. And then on Saturday, I went to the King's Head. I'm not a, a huge soccer fan by any stretch of the imagination, but when I was there Friday, the guys were mentioning that they were going to have the, the match on uh, England versus Ukraine at the Euro. And I thought, you know what, this, that would be, this would be a fun place to be for when England is playing in the Euro uh, because it's an English pub. So I went back on two, at 2 o'clock, and wow, it was so nice to be around cheering fans mm. for anything again. Like I, like I said, I didn't care about the match. I just wanted to be around happy people. Uh, and so we're actually going to talk uh, soccer today with the coach, the manager, Valor FC. That's right. Rob Gale will join us after 9 o'clock. Valor FC, they are 3-0. and They've yet to give up a goal in those three games. And uh, Wednesday... Something pretty special. Uh, we saw a few hundred folks at Winnipeg Jets games in uh, round two against Montreal. I think it was 500. Well, up to 2,000 people will be allowed at IG Field on Wednesday. We'll find out how excited Rob Gale and Valor FC are about that proposition. And I guess we'll have to check in with him as well uh, on the, the, the follow-up match because now we're into the semifinals for the Euro, right? It's uh, England, Denmark, and then Spain, Italy. That's going to For be someone a- who doesn't follow that very closely, you, you nailed that, McGarry. <laughs> That's exactly what's happening. Semi-final tomorrow on Wednesday, and then the big uh, final, the Euro final from, I believe it's from Wembley Stadium on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, soccer fans really cranking it up for that. 
the songs you just cannot live without. That just happened to be coincidence that they are doing that today because Greg, it was yesterday morning. You sent me a tweet on a topic that goes the opposite direction. Yeah, the tweet reads this. You know what? Uh, they use a different F word here. I'm going to use forget your favorite song. <laughs> Tell me about your absolute least favorite song. One you just absolutely hate with all your heart. And I thought, oh boy, this is a good contrarian topic for a Monday morning. And we have a couple of uh, extreme contrarians on our panel. So I thought this would work out very nicely. Well, let's start with Matt Abra filling in for producer Jeff Forte because Matt sort of previewed his by saying this could cause some controversy. Oh, come on! Thunderstruck, the theme song of the Winnipeg Thunder! What did I tell you? <laughs> wow! Th- this is an... In- okay, I, I I was wondering, like, what is the song going to be? I, well, I just can't stand ACDC, period. That's and, okay. And this song especially is uh, just it creaks on me. I don't know. gets under my skin. It makes me crawl, and I'm crawling right now, actually. Cam, what why. do you think? Wow. Um, well, the- I'm not the biggest ACDC fan. I kind of grew out of them by the time I was like eight years old. But um, <laughs> wow. the same me song. Too. Same, I, 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 don't, I don't hate ACDC at all, but I'm just, I've been over them for a long time. Um, but, uh, I, I, and I was going to go for Bon Jovi, but just, I know Greg's a big Bon Jovi fan. I can't so stand Bon I know, and uh, Julie Buckingham as I'm well. I'm a Bon Jovi fan. Uh, sorry guys. Uh, but I had to, I had to do this cause I just find it offensive. This, I, I, I <laughs> like, this is, I'm a huge country music fan and what is classified as country music. They have to make an old, an actual genre, Americana, which is actual country music. Little and, and I just chose... I just chose Thomas Rhett because he's one of the biggest offenders. I just pulled this song, but I could choose any number of them. Oh, he's dancing right now. He's enjoying it. Yeah, here we go. Cam's dancing. Okay. Any number you can you can choose any popular country song. Just ins- I just chose Thomas Rhett because he's like one of the worst. But insert anybody there. So you just don't like the fact that they all basically sing about the same thing as you put cars, trucks, beers. Well, it's it, no, that's that's fine, but it's got to be from like a, a, a base. Like, you know, the old old country, Hank Williams, Hank Williams Jr., George Jones. Like, even, I know Garth Brooks kind of took country music in a total different direction, but I, I like Garth Brooks. Uh, you know, early Blake Shelton. I could keep going. Like, like to- uh, Toby Keith is, is great. Uh, his earlier stuff, of course, he's kind of gone off. Like, Willie Nelson, all this stuff. This is good country music. And there's guys now, Sturgill Simpson, uh, Chris Stapleton, uh, Tyler Childers. They're great, and they're kind of holding up the fort right now for actual country music, but... It's coming back. It's coming back. I promise you, Brett. I know you're worried. I promise it's coming back. You know what? And I, I can't believe I am actually saying these words, GMAC, but, uh, you know, I, I like to listen to music on the golf course. Jeff Courier would slap me if he were here. He's a golf purist, and he says, why would you want to ruin a, a, a nice peace and quiet with music? I just don't understand you people. But uh, I like listening to music, and one of my buddies... Brandon, he is huge into country music, and he always has to listen to our music. And then I, I finally said, well, let's just put on some country. We'll try it out. So I just found some random, like, hot country hits playlist. I don't know. And uh, I actually enjoyed it 
just because it's relaxing. And that's the, 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 the point of that helps me in the golf course is listening to music to relax, Greg. Yeah, I agree, and I like listening to to music on the golf course as well. I used to like to listen to uh, music when I could on a Walkman when I was skiing. If I was downhill skiing by myself, there's just something about uh, being locked up in the music. And so I agree with you, Brett. Uh, kind of an underrated process, adding music to all sorts of things that uh, we like to do. So, uh, yeah, country music, though. I think I've told the story about the time I was singing along with a Garth Brooks song and my mom was with me. We were in High River, Alberta, and she slapped me in the arm and said, what are you doing? I go, oh, yeah, I've been here too long, I guess, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. You were not permitted to enjoy country music. Okay, what's your uh, song, Greg? Uh, This one is going to be controversial, I think. Matt Abra. If I never hear this Bob Seger song again, I would be just fine with it. It's just so old time rock and roll with the number of socials I've been to over the years. I just, I don't, I just can't stand this song. Overplayed. It's just like such like a the safest song of all safe songs. Yeah, and that's why I guess I don't like it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I I get it. uh, Yeah, uh, I I DJed a few socials uh, back in the day and. It's like, really, you don't have to request this song. I'm probably going to play it at least six times. So uh, sit back, enjoy your drink. And like I said, if uh, I never have to play that song or hear it, uh, life will be just fine for me. Well, there are several songs at Manitoba Socials that if I never heard them again, it would be too soon. There's that Grease Lightning mega mix that gets played (laughs) all the time. Uh, Stuck in the Middle can go away. Brown Eyed Girl. Uh, just I, keep your eyes shut. I don't want to see them. I don't want to hear them. Cam, I, I can't stand uh, stuck in the middle with you because, like, oh, that's when all the everybody just kind of like walks up to the dance floor. They get their their elbows are kind of moving up, and they're just kind of like just a little trot up onto the dance floor, like stuck in the <laughs> middle. With shuffle. You. It's a shuffle. A it's, shuffle. A, it's a total shuffle. <laughs> that's like the classic shuffle song, and I just roll my eyes. Half of them got salami on their shoulders. <laughs> yeah, exactly, got meat shouldered. Yeah. And then, and then, as circling back to Matt's choice, Thunderstruck. I don't know if that's common for socials, but uh, I mean, I, I, I listen. And I, I like that song in particular, Matt, but I can see why, because that is one of those songs that is certainly overused in a number of contexts. ACDC in general is overplayed. Maybe that's the problem. Like I've been, since I was one year old, I've been listening to ACDC every five minutes. Yeah. So it's your parents' and have, fault. And they haven't changed, right? They haven't yeah. evolved. And for, so I, I commend them for that. They they picked their brand and they, they have just stuck with it over the decades. But if you don't like that brand, then, yeah, you're with Matt. So tell us a story at 204-780-6868. What is the song that you hate and why do you hate it? Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off this week. Apologies to Jeff Braun, not only for not going to him in our last segment, but for also failing to go to him on Friday as well. I don't know what's happening uh, with me forgetting that Jeff is is there. I think perhaps it's the musical chairs throwing me off the game a little bit. Like I was trying to do a head count this morning. Like Jeff Forte is off. Matt's in for him. Uh, so no Jeff. 
So I guess I just thought, no Jeffs? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So sorry, Jeff. Not trying to leave Mr. Braun out. Uh, we'll get his song in. The song that he hates in our next segment. And you can keep texting us at 204-780-6868. The songs you hate and why. 204-780-6868. Have you heard the term variant factory? Keep it in mind as we share the following. After setting lofty vaccination goals for the summer, Manitobans are coming out in droves to get their shots, and the province is cruising along to their previous targets. Yeah, in fact, Manitoba, Brett, should cross over the second vaccination threshold of its three-phase reopening plan nearly a month ahead of schedule. The province was aiming to have 75% of eligible residents immunized with one shot and 50% with two by the August long weekend. Now, that's likely to happen later this week. However, a respected Winnipeg epidemiologist warns even once that milestone is met and further goals are reached, it's not the end of the fight against COVID-19. Cynthia Carr is said epidemiologist and founder of Epi Research. Cynthia, good morning to you. Good morning. You spoke with uh, Clay Young on this yesterday, but we wanted to make sure that we spoke with you today as well, just to make sure that more people hear about what or who is a variant factory. Yeah, so, you know, this is a concept we've talked about before. I just uh, didn't think of such a snazzy term for it, but uh, a physician uh, interviewed by CNN uh, did, and it is a great way to say it. So again, it's just a reminder that the virus cannot live outside of a living cell. It's not like bacteria that can grow on food or something else. Um, So a variant factory relates to the fact that the virus needs to get into a, a living cell to thrive. So it gets into our cell and once it's there, it makes millions and millions of copies. And when you make millions and millions of copies of anything, you could accidentally make a mistake. But sometimes when you make that mistake, it's actually for the benefit of the virus. So it makes it more transmissible, stickier to the cells, better at replicating, uh, better at evading uh, the vaccine. So any body that allows that virus to get in there, that opportunity is there. So once we keep seeing the change from the original to, you know, the one that uh, impacted Europe and then the alpha variant and now what we're talking about, Delta, it can continue to build on those changes and make it harder and harder for us uh, to keep our our vaccine, our treatment, uh, our testing all uh, relevant to that strain of the virus. Well, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. But if we can keep this uh, mostly positive, Cynthia, I'd like to do that. The intention of our chat when I reached out to you yesterday was to discuss (laughs) what seems to be our incredibly successful vaccination campaign. Our overall critical numbers are doing exactly Mm -hmm. what I would think we would have hoped the last round of restrictions and this uptake of the vaccine would create. Are those numbers as good as they seem? Well, we've we've now had 10 days in a row of less than 100 cases as of the data that I saw yesterday. That's the best trend, uh, you know, that we've seen since uh, about mid-March, you know, having gone through very challenging times. I I know you want me to keep it positive, but obviously for perspective, uh, when I look back at this time in July last year, there's nothing I can even see on the graph. This could have been about that time where we didn't have any cases for about 10 days in a row. So we're 
still certainly uh, much higher than what we want to do. Be, but when we look at those peaks of you know five six hundred cases a day uh, that we were seeing you know just in the last couple of months and in mid May we had some really high rates like that uh, we're we're really uh, pushing forward here and vaccination is certainly part of uh, the reason for this success. Letting our guard down. I know doctors across the country are a little concerned about loosening mask restrictions in parts of Canada. How dangerous could it be to let our guard down? Well, you know, obviously this is all good news, but we see from other countries that we can't do that yet. So obviously we are going to recover. We're on the track to recovery. But the longer it takes us to reach these critical vaccination thresholds, which do get higher with these variants of concern, the longer it will take all of us in the province to recover in terms of economy, getting back to schools, all of those things. So, uh, you know, we have to continue uh, this slow, cautious approach and, and really important, don't forget to get that second shot once you've had the first. You're not as well protected at all, particularly against these variants of concern, uh, just with the one shot. As much as I enjoy our visit, Cynthia, I look forward to a Sunday where I don't have to bother you about coming to join Agreed. us on a Monday morning to have these regular <laughs> visits. Hopefully we can find excuses to discuss other things sooner than later, but we really appreciate your insight and your work on this. Thank you so, so very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Have a good Monday. Cynthia Carr, epidemiologist and founder of Epi Research, joining us live on 680 CJOB. And I admit, Greg, uh, I, I'm certainly not intentional, but I, I think that I have dropped my guard a couple of times just sort of at random. Like I went, when I went into my barber shop last week, I walk in, I took my hat off, took my shades off, took my mask off. And he mm. looks at me immediately. He says, Brett, you got to keep your mask on. And I said, geez, Joe, you're right. I don't know. What, what the hell am I doing? Uh, <laughs> and then when I was at the beer can on Friday, I got up to grab a beer and I got up without my mask on. And I'm not doing this to be flippant or doing it to be irresponsible. I just, I guess I'm starting with, with the higher vaccination rates and things starting to get back to normal. I'm starting to drop my guard a little bit. Yeah, and I think uh, it's important we share those stories as well as the vaccine success stories because I left the house uh, the other night and I forgot to put a, a mask in my pocket. I was driving Jackie's car instead of my own and I have a little bit of a collection in my own vehicle. But yeah, I uh, I wasn't thinking ahead and it's, it's so bizarre to even contemplate being in that headspace right now 16 months later so it's a good sign uh, to to a great extent in my mind but Mackling and McGarry, McNabb's on holidays. Just wanted to throw this in. This was Jeff Braun's song that he hates. Eddie Murphy, party all the time. The songs that you hate, 204-780-6868. Tell us what songs you hate and why. Jeff would have told us why he hates this. Had I remembered to bring him on, so sorry about that, Jeff. I also got to mention the song that I hate. I've mentioned this before. Greg, I think, probably knows what it is, but... Oh, God. A, a point in time that had so much good music. The 80s had some dreadful songs. I, You Just know what? Dreadful songs. I can even acknowledge that I see the value in that song, but 
I hate it because I won a contest on Good Rockin' Tonight when I was like five or six years old. And I, don't, I can't remember what the contest was, but I got one of the consolation prizes and they ran like all the hundred names on the screen and my name was there for all of one second. And uh, they sent me that album, the UB40 album, Labor of Love. And uh, I, <laughs> I hated that song then and I was so disgusted with my prize that I tore up the postcard <laughs> from Terry David Mulligan and <laughs> threw it in the trash. And my dad called me an ingrate and I started crying. So, but I still hate it. I hate that song. I will never <laughs> let go of that grudge. Was there an autograph from TDM yeah. on that? T- oh, oh yeah. Tore it up. Tore it up. Tore it up oh. in disgust. Yeah. I was a brat. I was a brat, but I still hate that song. Uliana sent a good one too, Greg. Yeah, my hatred for uh, this this song started one of the summers I was a counselor at summer camp. The younger boys uh, uh, borrowed some dresses for a skit night from some of the older girls. We assumed it was going to be something witty and funny. The boys lip synced. Matt Abra. A song that was already being overplayed on the radio to this day. All I see when I hear this song is the weird drag show. And uh, I don't think you need that visual to go press stop. <laughs> They'll never play that song again on our program because that is that's a horrible song. They like to break it out at the hockey game sometimes. And if it's and if it's well placed, people kind of get into it, but I don't think it's willingly. I think there's something else going on. Uh, that has people uh, clapping along to that song. I'm a romantic fool. <laughs> it's a habit of mine to watch the sun go so, down. Greg, the Raiders of your lost archives solved the problem for you? It's so funny because I was... I was Googling uh, top Canadian bands, 80s, 90s, female lead singer. And then before I even got to the list, Martha and the Muffins. I don't know where it came from and how it came back. But Jeff Courier also emailed me and said, are you talking about Parachute Club? And I'm thinking, Lorraine Sagato, that's probably exactly who I was describing and imagining was in Martha and the Muffins. So I conflated, I think, three bands. (laughs) The Parachute Clubs, uh, Martha and the Muffins, and Katrina and the Waves. But the mysteries have been solved. So, yeah, we were because we were talking about Katrina and the Waves, Walking on Sunshine. That's the song that Michelle texted us to say that she hates. And we had a bunch of people, including James, say Greg, Greg is thinking of the Parachute Club. Oh, boy. Yeah, I don't think I can take any more of that. That's thank awful. Um, so we thank our listeners as well for weighing in. But good for you for remembering. I do not have any recollection of Martha and the Muffins. That Echo Beach song did did not come up on your radar or didn't spark anything when Abra played it? No. No. Isn't that something? And I was even looking at, I looked them up when you texted me to say, Martha and the Muffins! It took me a minute to figure out, what is Greg telling me here? Is this like a, oh, it's the, that's the band. That must be the band that he's thinking of. Yeah, when was that song even? That had to be like 83, 84 oh, it, or yeah. something. It looked early 80s, like maybe even 82. Uh, looks like they were Canadian rock band active, active from 1977 to the present. 
But it's funny though the, the the annoying songs, how they can stick with you, right? And you remember them for really specific reasons. Like I, uh, for a time, here at because I've been at six eighty CJOB now for, gosh, seventeen years since two thousand four, and there was a stretch around I want to say 2012, 2013, where I was. I wasn't doing the morning show at what was then known as 99.1 Fresh FM, which is now Peggy at 99.1, but uh, they wanted to have a live body, uh, at least in the morning, just a live presence. So I would go in from 7 to 9 and read the news and read traffic and just do like little quick updates, but it wasn't a show per se. And like clockwork, almost between 7 and 9, I heard for sure... That Rihanna song, shine bright like a diamond, shine bright like a diamond. And whenever I hear that, I just want to stop the car and pull the stereo out. And then there was a Katy Perry song, uh, which started with, how did she start that? I'm wide awake. Uh, and it just made me want to go back to sleep every yeah, time. Yeah, you know, I'm trying really hard to keep up on the latest music. And I know Flo Rida does not count as the latest music, mm-hmm. but he was part of that CNN 4th of July celebration. They would were doing live cut-ins on a variety of different live performances across the United States last night. And I watched all of about six minutes of it because it was so bad. <laughs> and this Flo Rida performance from... At some amphitheater in Philadelphia, it was so cringeworthy, Brett. It was absolutely terrible. The only reason I watched as long as I did is he had a, a USA uh, Olympic basketball jersey, number nine Michael Jordan mm-hmm. jersey, and it was all bedazzled or something. And so I just wanted to make sure, did you really do that to a Michael Jordan jersey? And then... Oh, it was just so bad, Brett. Some of the, you know, the performers that have sold hundreds of tens of millions of records and then you see them live, it's like, this is not good at all. Oh, that's too bad. He pumped out so many hits in, in, in during the, his stretch. I can't. I, I bet you he had at least like 10 different hit songs with, which started with that, uh, that low song, right? Yes, like, that, that was Apple. the one he was singing last night. Apple bottom jeans. Is that the what bo- it's called? The is that the with title? The, the, the song is called Low. Okay. Or is it Get Low? Uh, I think it's just Apple low. bottom jeans. What yeah, is it's it? Just low, it's just low. It's boots just, with the fur. Boots with the fur. With the fur. The whole club looking at her. She hit the yeah. floor. Next thing you know, shorty got low, 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 That's low, low. So you found that annoying, did you? <laughs> I can't mm. imagine why. <laughs> I think you performed it live better than Flo Rida did. Uh, so we're looking at the other suggestions that we're getting. Kevin the Garbage Man says almost any Eagles song sucks. Kevin the Garbage Man, that would be a controversial choice, just like, just like Matt Abra suggesting ACDC. But I'm with you. Hotel California can go away forever. I stand by that, and I will fight you if you oh. don't agree with me. Oh, I guess we're going to have to fight then because I, I still like that song. Okay. Good memories, some good slow dances over the years to that one. <laughs> Bill Turner says, I can't stand the theme song for the kids' show, Dora. The song has three re- three words repeated 55 times. I'm the map. How creative. 
I think a person's IQ <laughs> drops two points every time they hear it. I, I haven't heard it, uh, Bill, but I'll have to look that up. Thank you very much. And uh, where was the, there was another one I pointed. Rick, oh, Rick says any song by Drake. He doesn't sing. He's That's a, a fair assessment. Current Canadian artist. He tries to sing. Yeah, I would say he doesn't really sing. Um, what else did we have here? Len doesn't like Cindy Lauper. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. Uh, we had a lot of people trying to figure it out, too. Someone was like, is it Joan Jett, Greg? Uh, yeah. somebody suggested- rough Trade. Somebody asked about Rough Trade, <laughs> and it wasn't Rough Trade. That's a High School Confidential. Is it? Oh, what's the name of the lead singer? Grace? No, Grace Slick. That's Jefferson Airplane. Boy, oh boy. You know what we need? We need a round table. We need a history lesson of rock music with Jeff Courier so that uh, we don't conflate all these bands with one another. Rough Trade, who was Rough Trade? That was... I don't know. High School Confidential was a great, great song. What is the name of the lead singer of Rough Trade? <laughs> have to Google that. I need to know. Oh, thank you, Matt Abra. Yes, Carol thank you. Pope. Carol Pope. This is the Diamond Song, Greg, in case you're oh, curious. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Thanks a lot. <laughs> My pleasure. I'm <laughs> thank you, Mick. very much. Get out of here, Matt. It is 7.56 on 680 CJOB as we listen to some Rihanna shine bright like a diamond right after we check global news at 8 o'clock with Jeff Braun. That's next on The Start. This one's for Max. Everything I would like to be. <laughs> Max says, you folks are making me laugh out loud. I had to pull over and send you mine. Bette Midler's Wind Beneath My Wings is the song beneath my skin. <laughs> ah, Max, thank you for that text at 204-780-6868. We're asking you to tell us about the songs that you hate and why you hate them for your chance to win a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. Hey, by the way, don't forget about the question of the day at cjob.com. We are asking you this morning about travel with altered entry criteria and affected the Canada-U.S. border. How do you think things look will come July 21st? Your options are wide open border, entry to Canada, fully vaccinated, something in between. And Greg, the question of the day brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Well, to start this hour, let's talk about uh, hanging out. Thousands of Manitobans have been pouring out of their homes and onto patios since the first phase of the province's reopening plan began. And one of the biggest patios in Winnipeg is the beer can it's located at one granite way right beside the granite curling club and i made my maiden voyage there on friday and a good time was had jenna khan is the co-owner of the beer can jenna good morning 
Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us this morning. So listen, before we get going and get into how it's going, let's initiate those who are not familiar because I was having a chat with my dad about my trip to the beer can and and he said, oh, how was it? Actually, you know what? What is the beer can exactly? (laughs) So I'll ask you for those who are unfamiliar, what is the beer can? Okay. I love this question. Um, The beer can is a beer garden that is very community-oriented, very locally-oriented, and uh, we are there to build bridges with the community to provide a safe place for people to hang out and, and kind of reconnect with family and friends. We started up last year at a location on Main Street, and this year we've partnered with the Granite Curling Club, and we're located there in their parking lot this year. We've got a river view. Uh, there's trees and shade, and also uh, it also it feels kind of like this mixture of being in a park, but also being in downtown Winnipeg. So it's got this really cool vibe to it. You can bring kids and you can bring dogs, and it's really a good time is probably the bottom line. <laughs> You know, uh, what an outstanding description of that location. My boys typically go to a curling camp there, Jenna, every summer. And uh, just a beautiful building, A, is the backdrop, and you're on the river and the ledge and and those magnificent uh, apartment towers across the river. So it really is that mix of everything in terms of a location. So just talk about that location at the Granite. It, It was a communal effort to get that belt, yeah? Yeah, so uh, my two business partners are members of the Granite Curling Club, so it was really important to them to find some sort of revenue stream for the club that's really been, you know, hurting over the past year because they haven't been able to be open, no curling has been allowed, so that was kind of how we ended up there, but then... What we did was one of my partners has an architectural background and the two of them are contractors. And so they came up with the vision of how it was all going to look in the design. And then we had family and friends joining us. It was dads and moms and friends and uh, in-laws all coming out and, you know, drilling and sanding and, and just kind of making that whole thing a reality as a community. Were you surprised over the last few days to see so many people there in spite of the heat? Like I went there on Friday afternoon at five o'clock and I mean, it was just in a t-shirt and shorts. It was hot in that sun, <laughs> but you would never know it was hot based on the fact that you were uh, at capacity the entire time. Yeah. I mean, it's been a real rewarding experience, I think, to see how many people have come out to support us. It, it has been so hot the last few days. I wouldn't blame anyone for wanting to stay inside in their air conditioning. But I think that really speaks to how much everybody just misses connections with humans. And so we are doing our best. Like there's a lot of shade in the space. And there's also we have a, a misting device near the stage that uh, provides some opportunity to cool off a little bit. But I think people are just willing to put on a hat and sunscreen and sit outside and be together. I like to sip on a cold beverage. I also like to uh, nosh while I do so, Jenna. What have you got? uh, What have you got for me? So this year we ended up uh, creating a food service option. So we have a restaurant. It's called the Beer Cantina. And uh, we serve tacos. It's a rotating taco menu because we try to keep as much uh, local as we can by supporting local farmers and producers. So that means that things change fairly quickly. But rotating tacos, there's chips with in-house salsas and guacs. And we also just launched our brunch menu. So we're doing brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. And I had brunch 
on Saturday, I had the churro French toast, and mm. it was very good. Like, I, I, I realize I'm biased, but it was very, very good. Well, listen, I had a great time at the beer cannon. You're right. It was so nice. It was just nice to be around people who clearly were excited to see their friends and see their family and just maybe even just to be around other people and to do so in such a beautiful location. You guys have done a really great job and uh, you got ended up with lots of my money. I'll just say that. You facilitated an environment where my money just disappeared from my wallet into your coffers. So, <laughs> Hey, well, as long as you had a good time, I feel like it's a win-win. <laughs> okay. Jenna Kahn, co-owner of the Beer Can, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Uh, Greg, it was one of those moments where I got home and uh, I haven't thought this for a l- years, like since I was 20 years old, where I thought... How did I spend so much money? But, uh, and I mentioned this to a friend and she said, you know what? You went to a local business and you supported local products. So you should not feel shame at all for helping the economy. And I thought, thank you for helping me. Because <laughs> I felt kind of bad, felt kind of dumb. Let's just say I had a very good time. Boy, uh, do I remember those mornings, those Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings. And you wake up and you realize you had such a good time. And then you scramble, you crawl across the bed, find your jeans to open your wallet. (laughs) I did spend it all. Okay. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off this week. We're asking you at 204-780-6868 to tell us about the songs that you hate and why do you hate them. $20 gift certificate, Santa Lucia pizza up for grabs. And this listener says, absolutely hate. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. We did calisthenics to it every morning for one year when I was in grade eight. And that's from Tannis. Tannis, yeah, that's as good a reason as any to hate a song. Having to listen to it every day while you're doing, like, painful exercise? No thanks. Not a horrible song, but when you have a horrible memory attached to it, it's impossible not to just cringe when you hear a song that is tied to something like that. So, mm-hmm, I get it. I get it loud and clear, just like Paul saying, Zamfir, the pan flute guy. <laughs> My parents would play this anonymous <laughs> Guri, non-stop as a kid, had to leave the house. Paul, I, I, you're Greek? <laughs> Just curious. <laughs> and I also want to give some love here to Dave. Uh, Dave, I'm on your team on this. Dave says, I absolutely detest Pink Floyd. I will be shunned, I'm sure, but their music is terrible. I race to change the station when they come on. And he also detests uh, the Scorpions and Stairway to Heaven. Just whoa, whoa, the song. Whoa, 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 whoa. Scorpions? <laughs> Hey, all right. Everybody's entitled. I don't agree with that one. Pink Floyd, I could get behind. It's not one of my favorites. Either. Scorpions, though, those are fighting words for me. Yeah, Pink Floyd, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't like them, but I, I respect them and I understand why many like them. But uh, I too will be flipping the station if I hear Pink Floyd. So keep those texts coming. We'll give that prize away just after nine fifteen. In the meantime, it is time to get our time with the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Bob Irving joins us now. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, you guys. How are things going uh, over in uh, your part of the world, Bob? Hot enough for you? I know that's sort of a cliche thing we say to each other when it gets really hot. Did it keep you off the golf course this weekend? 
Well, it is too hot for me. When it gets into the mid-30s, that, that's a bit much. And it did keep me off the golf course this weekend. But I'm not going to complain, like most people. When we live in this wonderful place, we have long, hard winters, so we shouldn't complain about the heat in the summer. By the way, that song by Three Dog Night you were playing is not Jeremiah Was a Bullfrog. It's Joy to the World is what it's called. And Three Dog Night was one of the great groups from the 60s and 70s. I know you guys were talking about songs people hate. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm a music fan, and I started thinking about that, and I can think of dozens and dozens of them that I hate. But one that stuck in my head was Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum. I don't know if you've heard it oh, yeah. or remember it, uh, but it, when I hear that, it goes off. That's the end of it. It drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we won't play it maybe until the end of our segment, because yeah, we don't okay. want you to turn off your phone or, or, or close it down on us or anything like that. A little bit of a letdown Friday night for fans of the Montreal Canadiens. 6-3 yeah. defeat at the hands of Tampa Bay. Uh, actually, a friend of mine drove to Montreal. She's a huge Habs fan and quite a letdown for her. Any reason to believe the Lightning won't be parading around the Ice at Centre Bell about 10 o'clock to Central tonight, Bob? No, not really. You know, I suppose Montreal could rise up and win a game, and I think they'll come up with a great effort tonight. Teams that are down 3 nothing don't want to be totally embarrassed by a four-game sweep, so I look for them to give it a good effort. But Tampa Bay's just too good, and we all, I thought, thought that when the series began, even though Montreal had been a Cinderella story through the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Carey Price is not playing the way he did in the first three rounds of the playoffs. He's being outplayed by Andre Vasilevsky, the goaltender of the Lightning. Tampa is just too deep, too fast, too tenacious on offense and defense. Uh, they are the best team in the league. They were last year when they won the Stanley Cup, and they will be again this year. So, you know, Montreal's great run is going to come to an end. If it's not tonight, it will be later this week. And, of course, uh, the weather in Florida is kind of scary, so... I think there's concern about whether or not they could play Game 5 in Tampa properly, but we'll see what happens tonight. I expect the Lightning to win. I guess stranger things have happened, but they're, they're en route to a second straight Stanley Cup. Blue Bomber players, meanwhile, have begun arriving in the city to get ready for training camp. Can you give us a rundown of what happens over the next five days? Well, so on Friday, uh, most of the American players from... The U.S., obviously American players would be from the U.S., arrived in town en masse and started their seven-day quarantine. It's a seven-day quarantine, and Health Canada allowed that as an exemption for teams in the CFL. Once that is over, which will be this week, then they can open training camp and report to IG Field on Saturday for the start of a very long training camp. The Bombers will have somewhere between 80 and 100 players show up uh, and they'll hit the field on Saturday. The first few days of camp, Brett, will be not full practices. It'll be more of a feeling-out process for the coaches to get a sense of what kind of shape these guys are in. Remember now, most of these players haven't played football since 2019, and so the, I think the coaches are very curious to see what kind of condition they arrive in. So the first few days will be just looking at the players and getting a sense for where they're at physically. And then uh, I think on about the 14th, they'll start full training camp. But, yeah, it's just around the corner. And uh, I think most football fans can't wait for August 5 when the first game will be played. One of the most enjoyable things to do for many Blue Bomber fans, Bob, is to pop by IG Field and, and take in the, the workouts. Any word from the Blue Bombers as to whether or not that'll be an option having folks uh, be able to pop by and, and essentially have those workouts open to the public? 
Well, I believe the workouts will be open, uh, Greg, but they're not going to be at IG Field. Because of the soccer bubble, the Bombers will hold their training camp practices over next to the soccer complex in that field over there where they often practice. Uh, and I think people will be allowed to, you know, drive up and park there and, and watch from a distance, but I'm not certain about that. So I think it's a different story at IG Field if you'd be allowed in or not, but uh, we'll have to check into that. But they won't be practicing at IG Field. It'll be over at the, the other field where they practice uh, when they can't get into IG Field. Now, we don't talk a ton of baseball with you, Bob, but uh, Major League Baseball heading towards its All-Star break uh, week today. Blue Jays have cooled off a little bit, still four games over 500. Team is hoping to play at home by the end of July, and they are the only team to have three starters in the Midsummer Classic. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. They have a tremendous offense. The Blue Jays can really hit, and they're in contention for a playoff spot, a wild-card playoff spot for sure. Uh, Vladdy Guerrero, we talked about him last week in the great season he's having, but he's not alone They're right through their lineup. Uh, they can rake, as they say in baseball. That's a baseball term, by the way. I don't, know, I don't know if you guys have heard that or not, but when a guy can hit, they say, man, he can rake. And the Bombers, have, or the Bombers, the Blue Jays have a lot of guys who can do that. And their pitching's held up pretty well. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, they're going to have an interesting second half, and certainly they're a, they're a fun team to watch. Uh, because of their offensive prowess. So Brett mentioned the PGA Tour yesterday. We had a, a playoff again for the second straight week. Uh, what can you tell us about that, Bob? I apologize I didn't uh, send you any notes on this, but this sort of popped up in our discussion throughout the morning. Yeah, it's called the Rocket Mortgage Tournament in Detroit, and there was a three-way tie at the end, Cam Davis, Troy Merritt, and Joaquin Neiman. And the playoff went five holes, and Cam Davis, who's a 26-year-old from Australia, won it on the fifth hole of the playoff. There was a bunch of guys right at the top of the leaderboard who've never won before on the PGA Tour. So this, and Davis was one of them. So this is life-altering stuff for him. He won $1.2 million and all the benefits that go with winning a tournament. And Canadian Mac Hughes, who quietly goes about his business every week, finished five shots back and won $121,000. Hughes is a bit of a a bit of a money machine on the PGA Tour, and he had another good weekend. I think this week, you guys, uh, Wimbledon, the round of 16. I'm a tennis fan. I can tell you that Dennis Shapovalov, the Canadian, is up two sets to love on his uh, round of 16 match this morning. And Roger Federer has advanced to the round of 16 as he approaches the age of 40. You know, he wears a, a, a jersey that has uni U-N-I-Q-L-O on it. And I've watched this for years. I've never heard of this company, so I Googled it. It's a Japanese clothing company that obviously endorses Federer. Do you know how much they pay him a year to wear that uh, logo? $4 million. I have no idea. $30 million a year. Roger Roger Federer makes $80 million a year in endorsement money from Uniqlo, uh, Rolex, I think he's with Nike, he's with Mercedes-Benz. It's incredible. Uh, he only makes 7 or 8 million playing tennis. He makes 80 million only. in it, yeah, wow. only in endorsements. Uh, and of course he's one of the the classiest and greatest athletes of all time and I suppose you know if anybody's going to tie their wagon to somebody it would be Roger Federer mm-hmm. because he's such a class act. Well, and he's got that great personalized brand as well, that RF logo that yeah. uh, adorns a, a lot of the, the different stuff that he wears. Uh, 
Great chat as always, Bob. Can't wait to talk to you next week as we uh, really kind of get underway for bomber season. I'm, I'm starting to pinch myself because uh, I think for a lot of us, we'll, we'll be, you know, sort of, I'll believe it when I see it, when we see the, the, the football club on the field, right? Well, they're going to be there Saturday, and you will see it, and then you'll believe it. We should salute Valor FC before I go. They won again in the Canadian Premier Soccer League. They're now 3-0 and off to a terrific start. Good for them. Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on holidays. What is this? Uh, the tide. <laughs> Who is this, Abra? This is Blondie. Blondie. Okay. Yes, that's right. Yeah, number one. Who texted us about this? Do you remember? Uh, we got so many texts. Yeah. Oh, this was Jim the Bailiff. Jim. Yeah, yeah Jim the Bailiff. Yep. <laughs> he says the tide is high by Blondie because she sounds like she has a dishwash cloth in her mouth. <laughs> I enjoyed that, so I had to play it. Uh, we're asking you to tell us about the songs you hate, and we're going to give away the $20 gift certificate for Santa Lucia Pizza in our next segment. And, Greg, uh, you say we got a first-time texter on the Imagine Dragons? Uh, yes, and I, you know what? My, Of course, my computer is now acting up on me a little bit. Uh, it's I got mean. it. He says, uh, is this the right one? No. No, it's not. Go ahead. I can't stand Toxic by Imagine Dragons. I'm a teacher now and was a semi-professional musician. One year I had to listen to them practice this song every day at the Christmas program where they were performing the song. The one girl playing violin did not tune her violin and the whole song, she was a semitone off and I swear my ears were bleeding. That violin is all I hear when I hear that song. So I don't... I can't quite remember that one, so maybe Matt on the way out of this segment, if you can dig that song up, that would be great. Great text. So keep them coming. You're making it, as always, the choice will be very difficult and deliberations will go right up until the last second. As we're cr- Sometimes it's like as I'm cracking the mic, I'm texting them or we're texting each other. Who's the winner? Who's the winner? Ah! Stressful. It's stressful sometimes, okay? Canadian Premier League season well underway with all games, all matches being played right here in Winnipeg. Oh, you caught one of my um, terminologies that are different in soccer versus other sports. Well caught, Brett McGarry, at the top of the table, or the standings, with three consecutive 2-0 performances so far, hometown Valor FC. We're doing our best here, Rob, to to get all the terminology down. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks, gents. You sound like seasoned experts, may I say. Oh, please now. <laughs> now we know you're putting it on thick. Rob Gale is, of course, head coach of Valor FC and a longtime friend of 680 CJOB. We've been counting on and calling on his soccer expertise for a very long time now. And quite the run you're on right now, Mr. Gale. Tell us about the keys to this 3 nothing start. Yeah, so far so good. Uh, the guys have uh, worked incredibly hard. You can imagine three games in seven days, only two days rest between games after 10 months off is, is not easy, but it's, uh, it's a group effort. We're uh, a small but solid group with uh, only 17 players available for the first game. We're up to 18 now, and our six staff are working hard to uh, put the best product we can on the field for our supporters. So Wednesday, your side plays York United. There will be fans in the stands. This has to be an exciting prospect for you guys. 
Yeah, how exciting for everyone, right? It's uh, It's been a long, long time, and I've said it many, many times, you know, professional sports without fans is just not professional sports, right? Uh, they're the lifeblood of the game. They give the team the energy, and they're our 12th man on the field when they're there. So we're super excited to have them back, and, you know, it's just one indication that life is getting somewhat closer to normal as well. So uh, I think it's a reward for all the people of Manitoba for the the hard work over the last 16 months and hopefully we can put a smile on a few faces on Wednesday night. Brett, I'm just going to sneak in another question here before we get to the next one. Uh, Rob, uh, the the facility at IG Field, we had Bob Irving on just after uh, Global News at 8.30 and we were we were talking about all things sports and he made sure to mention your 3-0 start and, and how impressive it is. Talk about how impressive IG Field is and what's the feedback been from the other teams in the CPL in regards to uh, Winnipeg and 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 the football club putting on uh, this this bubble. I mean, credit to everyone involved, right? The 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 club, the organisation, the league, and and the provincial and and, and uh, federal governments and everybody behind it, right? Because without Winnipeg, we wouldn't be talking about games and and, and playing right now. So, I think look, it's a fabulous stadium. There's no doubt about it. It's brilliant for TV. Uh, purists would, uh, you know, in our sport, we would prefer a, a grass field or at least a, a better turf. Um, but uh, the fact that we're able to play, uh, no complaints. Everyone's just excited to be back out there after such a long time off. So we got to get your take on the Euro Cup and what transpired over the weekend. Spain and Italy have advanced on one side of the bracket and on the other, Denmark and England advanced to the semifinals Tuesday, Wednesday. Brett, you experienced some of the passion involved. Sorry, say that again, Greg. Brett, you experienced some of the passion involved in uh, Euro Cup yourself uh, over the weekend. Yeah, sorry. I was just conferring with Abra. We're trying to find this Imagine Dragon song. <laughs> Apparently, it's not called Toxic, so we need to... It's probably a song lyric, Matt. Uh, so maybe uh, look, do some uh, digging on that. But yes, Rob, I was at... The King's Head on Saturday, which is an English pub, so of course they had the match on with England versus Ukraine. I think I saw one Ukrainian jer- jersey, but for the most part it was all people uh, adorned in English flags. And even though the place was only at 25% capacity indoors, it was so emotional to be around people cheering and clapping and and just being regaling in their enjoyment and their passion for the sport so to i to be around that for me personally was great so i can only imagine what it'll be like for you know you guys to have a couple of thousand people in stands yeah i heard they were christening it the uh the Winnipeg Cup because you've got the expats and the Ukrainians and so many in the city here. So it was a great <laughs> game. And I, I was uh, clearly biased, but uh, I thought England were excellent on the day. And uh, it was nice to actually enjoy the last 30 minutes of the game with England going 4 0 up because the Germany game was uh, a little bit too intense for the heart, especially during the bubble and everything else going on here. But uh, yeah, good old Chris and Pete, they're big supporters of soccer over at the King's Head pub there. And uh, uh, it's awesome just to get together, right? It's it's kind of like our church. It's fellowship and, and getting like-minded people together, celebrating. It's, it's great to see. The beautiful game, as it's called, Spain and Italy on the other side of the bracket. What do we expect to see in that game? Will will it be will it be defense first? To talk about the the style of football we might see if 
perhaps this is maybe one of a handful of games you tune into over maybe even five or six year period, Rob. Yeah, I've got to say, like, you've got to give credit to the uh, Italians and Roberto Mancini. Typically, they're a defense-first team, um, and, and that's been the stalwart of many of their tournaments over the years, being difficult to beat. But they've been unbelievable to watch. That Italy-Belgium game, the pace, the transitions, the technical quality on the field, it, it was phenomenal, like two of the best teams in the world. And then you take in Spain, who, who pass and move the ball. That They're a pleasure to watch. Look, I'm 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 biased because I'm on the other half of the uh, the the tournament with England and uh, Denmark. That's going to be a doozy too. But I think Italy Spain should be an absolute classic. And you've got two of the best teams in world football. So much talent on the field. If you haven't watched a Euro so far, it's been a fantastic tournament. There's been goals galore. There's been tons of drama. I've said it before. It's the year of the underdog, and we're going to ride that all year with valor. So. Uh, tune in because it's uh, it's great soccer. Rob Gale joining us live on 680 CJOB, coach of Valor FC. Rob, a pleasure as always. Thank you for joining us this morning. Brett, Greg, thanks very much. Good luck finding your Imagine Dragons <laughs> song and uh, we'll uh, catch up with you soon. We think we've solved the mystery on that. Mitchell text, we figured it was radioactive by the Imagine Dragons, but it looks like there was some sort of a mashup or where, uh, like I found on YouTube, it looks like the Imagine Dragons performed Toxic by Britney Spears at one point. So uh, I don't know exactly what had to happen, but Mitchell, the teacher, says, no, it was radioactive. So... Just for you, Mitchell, here's your favorite song. <laughs> Radioactive by the Imagine Dragons. Our winning text coming up next on The Start. Maggling and McGarry. No. <laughs> I've been perusing the text backwards, forwards, up and down. I did not see anybody mention this. There were several. That will give you, that will give you <laughs> an idea of how many text messages we've had. Dozens upon dozens of them. Yeah. Barbie Girl by Aqua. I love this song. <laughs> so. Uh, Barbie. Let's go Barbie. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we've been asking you to tell us the songs that you hate at 204-780-6868. And we don't have a lot of time here, so I think we just need to get right into this. I'm just going to queue this up on YouTube because there's probably an ad. So once these ads are over, then I can press play on the song. But I can start. This is actually an email to uh, brett at cjob.com, gmac at cjob.com. Greg, I'll read the first part from Gail, who says... 1976, July, my parents went on vacation and I was working my mom's shift. Her shift was a split shift, 7 to 11 and 3 until 7. I would get to work at 6.30 and turn on the lights and radio and the first song to come on was McCartney's Someone is Knocking at the Door. Ah! This happened every morning for the first week. On the first Friday when I got home, I called the station and pleaded with them not to play that song at the same time. Monday morning comes along. The first song is about to be played when the host said, this goes out to Gail in <laughs> Pinawa. Wow. And I, I think the song is called Let Him In. 
by uh, McCartney, or the is it the Wings? And uh, then he played it. You guessed it. Someone is knocking. The next morning, however, they played something else. I love McCartney, but that song, ooh. And then Gail followed up with this, Brett. That summer, the great thing, I went swimming every day without my mother's nagging about doing something else with my time. It was also my last summer before university, and I didn't want to be at home either because... 1976 was the Olympic Games in Montreal, and it was on TV all day long. So, Gail, memories of the Olympics of 1976 and Paul McCartney, song I actually really like. But I don't know if I'd like it over and over and over again. Congratulations, Gail. You are our winner. $20 gift card, Santa Lucia Pizza. In the meantime, Cam's got sports next. Montreal looks to stay alive tonight, and tragedy strikes the Blue Jackets organization. Cam with details next. We're going to shift gears just a little bit and welcome our good friend, author, David A. Robertson to the program. Good morning, David. Good morning. Great to hear your voice and uh, great to connect with you as always. Have you got a song uh, before we get into some heavy conversation, a song that you'd be fine never hearing again? <laughs> I do. You'd ask that after the intro here, hearing those, uh, those uh, the uh, people are calling in their least favorite songs. Anything by like Nickelback? I have, I have no idea. I don't really, you know, I don't really have a specific song. There's just so many of them right now. Anything like I think that's like pop uh, or Nickelback. Okay. Well, we'll put you down for uh, for a Nickelback uh, hater. That's no problem, David. You're not alone in that. Uh, it's funny. They sell out uh, all the concerts across the country and sell all these albums and nobody admits to liking them. But that's a conversation for another day. It's like Lincoln Park. It's like Lincoln Park. Who, who actually likes them? I don't know. But they sell millions of, millions of albums, so. I think it's a good correlation. I hadn't thought of that one before. I'm writing it down, though. I appreciate it muchly. Hey, it's been quite the month or so in our country as we make our way through the news of unmarked graves at former residential school sites in Kamloops, BC, and Calasis, Saskatchewan. And, of course, plenty of high-level discussion taking place amongst Canadians, which I think is a fantastic thing and the history we're working to reconcile, recognize, and recover from. But we genuinely wanted to check in with you today, David, and, you know, you've become such a good friend of our program, a friend of ours, and, you know, we just want to know, how are you navigating all of this? How are you doing? Well, thanks for asking. Um, you know, I, you guys are so kind, by the way, and I know that you messaged me too, and I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie, it's been, a, it's been a pretty emotionally exhausting month, Um you know, I think that when you have some sort of a platform, you you know, if you have to use it, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to try to make some kind of a difference or contribute. Um, and so I just try to, you know, I'm just been, I've just been trying to do whatever I can to raise awareness, to speak out about things that I think, you know, we need, need to discuss or consider as Canadians. Um, and, you know, I think that being tired is, um, it's, it's, a, it's not that big a trade-off when you, you know, when you, you can maybe uh, educate a couple people and, um, and motivate a couple people to um, think about what they can do and, and try to, cause in the end, we're all in this together. Um, and so we all have our roles. 
I know you get requests for interviews from all over the world. So, you know, this role now that you have, I, I don't know if it was anything that you ever imagined your bring, your books would bring you just this, this attention and the desire for people from all around the world to, to, to hear how you feel about issues like this. Yeah. I mean, part of it is like with my, with the kind of books that I write, um, you know, I think that social activism and I think inherently all books are political in some way, shape or form. Um, I think the better that they do, um, the more people read them, um, the more people want to talk to you about the stuff that you're writing about. And, you know, I've written a lot about residential schools um, and, you know, and because of that, I've spoken a lot about them as well across Canada in schools and to teachers. And, um, you know, I think that there are a lot of experts out there and as well as, you know, survivors and um, who um, have important voices. And I'm just one of those. I'm not one of the very important voices, but um, I think that I do have some things that are of value to say. And, um, and for whatever reason, uh, you know, people have been reaching out to me to, to, uh, to talk to me. And, um, and, you know, I, I, I rarely say no because, um, as much as, you know, I have a lot to say, I guess, and as much as, as many people as I can reach the better, um, because I feel like, um, there is a bit of value in, in the stuff that we're, we're discussing right now in Canadians as Canadians. So two part question here. What's the question that you wish nobody would ask you that inevitably get gets asked if it's a sort of a first time interview, perhaps with an outlet or, or an individual or, or a group of people like us. And, and the one question that you wish you would get asked maybe a little bit more. Oh my goodness. Well, that's, those are great questions. <laughs> you know, ironically, I have not been asked that question before. Um, you know, honestly, you know, from people that like, I'm very comfortable with, this is, this is like ex- excluding you guys, but um I, you know, asking, I guess asking me how this is, how I'm affected by it um, is not that I, I don't appreciate the question. I just don't want to center myself in it, you know? And I think that, you know, there's a lot of people who are going through a really difficult time right now. And, you know, I am too, but I mean, um, there's a lot of survivors or first generation survivors that um, are really struggling right now and are going through a lot of heartbreak. And um, I've been very careful and throughout this to not center myself in the conversation as much as I can. Um, I just want to be an advocate. Um, and, you know, things that I think people, I wish that people would ask more, you know, I, I don't know. I think that people are pretty good about, you know, speaking about the things that we really need to be talking about. Um, you know, like um, statues coming down, um, the government's response to um, these discoveries. Um, you know, those are the things that I think, and, and, and what Canadians can do. I, I think that those are all valid questions that I've been asked pretty often. So I don't think that, you know, media in, in general have, have been missing, have been missing anything. Um, and they've been, and they've been as well, very considerate. You know, I think for the most part when media has contacted me, they asked me, you know, are you okay with coming on? I know this must be tough. I appreciate that, you know, and so I, I got to say, like in general, um, you know, the media has been um, has been has been pretty good, and um, and has given us a platform, and I think that is also important. 
Well, David, it's Brett here, by the way. Sorry, I was just dealing with something. I just got back into the room now, but uh, you just... Hey, you t- Hello there. You touched on the statues, and that was our question of the day at CJOB.com on Friday afternoon. What is your reaction with 85% saying unacceptable, 11% saying unfortunate, and 4% saying understandable? So what's your reaction to that part of the events on July 1st? Well, uh you know, I, I was there. Um, I left before the statue came down. Um, you know, honestly, I understand the anger. I understand the uh, the impulse to want to bring the statue down. Um, I, I think that there are better ways to go about it. Um, and so, I think that you know, it could have been it could have been dangerous um, to bring the to bring it down with a crowd around. Um, and I, I, I don't think that, you know, doing something destructive like that is productive. Um, and I think there are better ways, um, to get statues down and you know, to advocate, um, to lobby the government, um, to do it, you know, through legal and proper channels, I think is probably more productive, even though, again, like I understand why it happened. Um, but you look at what kids can do, you know, for example, and, and, and by association, what we as people can do, um, you know, Bishop Grandin is getting renamed. Uh, we know that now. It's just a matter of time. Um, a bunch of school kids who are, you know, incredible, lobbied their board and are getting Ryerson school, Elementary School renamed. Um, so, you know, if you want to put in the time and effort um, to to push the government to, because they are accountable to us, you know, the answer to us as a people, it's a democracy, um, then they, they, they will, they will respond. It may take some time, but I think it's, I think it's better um, in most circumstances than vandalism or breaking the law. Yeah. You know, I said it uh, on Friday, uh, understanding why it might've happened does not condone the action. And understanding mm-hmm. is such a big part of the equation of how we got here and what we're going to need to do together to, to get to a more appropriate place, a more, a more loving Canada. And I think that's something we all want, but it, it's the kids as usual, yeah. David, that really bring this into perspective. And uh, I don't know if, if you know Shelly Cook, but uh, she's somebody that I follow on Twitter and have a great amount I of, oh, yeah. Yeah, of, of respect for. And I don't know if you saw her, saw her picture in her comments uh mama my hand fits on this one and that was one of the mm-hmm. handprints on the on the on the base of the queen victoria statue that's now now gone from the manitoba legislature and your son james did it to me again jill posting uh, a couple of days your wife jill posting uh uh, two or three days ago, James waking up in the middle of the night and, and one of his incredible questions in, in the middle of the night. And he asked uh, Jill, who cuddled the kids in residential mm. schools when they woke up in the middle of the night? Who who got to answer that one in your house? Well, you know, I think we both have had conversations with him um, uh, and with all of our children, especially the younger ones who... Um, One of the things I think that as parents and as well as teachers and adults, um, the benefit of of learning the history uh, is not just uh, being able to articulate um, what happened, uh, to understand uh, the system and what it did to people, um, and to be able to lobby the government to do things that are, I think, important. Um, But it's also to answer questions from children, Um, you know, to be articulate enough and knowledgeable enough to be able to answer questions from kids that will have tough questions. 
Um, and that was a tough one, you know, and, and, and it's an emotional one, you know, because, you know, as you know, uh, my grandmother is a survivor and her sister died at residential school. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things to keep in mind is that, um, you know, not to ever talk down as a kid because they're very smart. Um, but you have to uh, be able to give an age appropriate answer, um, to not traumatize or scare the, ch- the child. Um, and, so that that's something that you know we were very careful with. So and and also these language that they would understand. So you know we would just say you know the, the kids uh, at the school um, they often weren't looked after by the adults. Um, and uh, to be honest, and, and and one thing that I know is that oftentimes kids would would cuddle with each other to so they wouldn't feel alone. And you know those are things that I think kids can understand. Um, they're tough but it also is not going to scare them. Um, and so what, what, we, what we don't want to do with younger kids is we want to just educate them enough so that they understand the foundational kind of principles of residential schools um, are able to generate empathy. Um, and then as they get older, we can get into um, answering that question in a more complex, and difficult way. Um, so it, it's just looking at the age and the readiness of, of the child. David A. Robertson, local author, joining us live on 680 CJOB. David, a pleasure and a privilege, as always. Thank you for the time. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.